Welcome to Real Estate of Mind, a farming group podcast. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Real Estate of Mind. I'm Andy Gutman with the Farbman Group and I am joined this morning by Andy Harris at, uh, of the Kitsch Law Firm and also the Mayor of Birmingham. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Andy. It's a, a great opportunity to be here today. I'm a fan of uh, the podcast, so appreciate the chance to contribute. Well, thank you so much. I've actually never met a fan of the podcast. <laughs> yes. That's pretty exciting. Yes, yes. I've uh, listened to quite a few episodes and found them uh, interesting and inf- informative. So. I appreciate that. Yes. And a non-paid commercial for Real Estate of Mind? Right, completely sincere. Yes. <laughs> we really appreciate that, and we're glad to have you here this morning. Thank you. All right, Andy, I can't help but notice this morning your voice is sounding a little tired. You always have that cool, smoky radio voice uh, announcer uh, voice, but... This morning, a little bit tired sounding. What's going on? I, I wish I could say that my voice sounded this cool every single day, but <laughs> that is just not the truth. Uh, the truth is uh, my family, uh, we're all diehard Michigan Wolverine fans, and uh, late Saturday night when they beat Loyola in the semifinals, on a whim, we uh, feverishly looked for, for tickets and an opportunity to go to the Final Four uh, with my uh, nine-year-old son. It was just the, the two of us were both diehard fans, and we tried and tried, and um, Prices were in the stratosphere for a long time. We had almost given up, but we saw a reasonable opportunity. And lo and behold, rearranged some things. Left for San Antonio on Monday. I was able to get game tickets. My son and I went to the game. And somehow, uh, during the five to ten minutes when Michigan was ahead, that's when I lost my voice. <laughs> but uh, as my voice went, unfortunately, so went the Wolverines. But uh, as we were talking about... Uh, we're very proud of the team, proud of the program. It was a great uh, opportunity with my son and a great season. So uh, back to reality now, but that explains where my voice went. Understandable. And by the yeah. way, it was a great run for the Wolverines. As a Spartan, it's tough for me to say that, yeah. but <laughs> right. what, what an amazing run. It had to be cool to be there. But what I heard you say also, and this is an important fact for our listeners, that because you lost your voice and couldn't cheer for them anymore, that's why they lost. That's what I heard you say. You know what? I, I suppose I have some culpability <laughs> there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a team effort when you win or lose. So, so from a legal perspective, you, you say you have culpability. All right. If you're listening, Michigan Wolverines, uh, it's Andy Harris's fault for the right. loss. But no, what an incredible run and what a great thing to be able to take your son there. Memory of a lifetime. Wonderful memories. I asked him after we lost, are you still happy we went? And he told me uh, that he was, and uh, I believe him. That's that's (laughs) handy. We have the good fortune here working with you at the Kitsch Law Firm. Uh, You've been a great representative for our organization. Uh, But for our listeners out here who, you know, the one or two who may not be aware of what the Kitsch Law Firm does, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, happy to, Andy. The, the Kitsch Law Firm started with Richard Kitsch in 1969. He was really a pioneer in defending medical malpractice uh, cases. And he and his partner started the firm uh, 47 years ago now. Um, and they developed a practice that was really preferred by hospitals and doctors. And so the firm really snowballed. And for a couple of decades, it was known exclusively as a leading medical malpractice defense firm. Um, 
tort reform in the 90s changed the volume of that litigation, so I, I credit um, the attorneys at Kitch who came before me with looking ahead and evol evolving the firm into an almost full-service law firm. And so now we have employment teams, we have construction, we have an environmental lawyer, we have the real estate department, which I work in, we have the commercial litigation department. So as the face of law and litigation has changed, so has the firm. That's why we've been able to grow to 100 attorneys and we've been successful um, keeping that number of attorneys uh, even through the recession and so on. Um, our main base is in Detroit. That's where about two-thirds of our attorneys practice. We have other offices throughout Michigan and an office as well in Ohio and, uh, and Illinois as well. It's funny, when I see attorneys with more experience, I tell them, Andy, where I work, they immediately think medical malpractice because for 20, 25 years that was the exclusive brand. So it's incumbent upon attorneys like myself and some of my peers to inform um, clients, others in the legal community, that Kitsch does more than medical malpractice. And as you know from your experience, law firms can be intense, at times they can be toxic environments. The Kitsch Law Firm is a very healthy place for all of our attorneys, for all of our staff, just like the Farman Group. We have a nice work-life balance. Uh, attorneys treat each other with respect. They are willing to teach. It has been a very good place for me and my family, and um, I'm frankly proud to tell people like you that, that I work there. Well, it's a, you've had an incredible career there. That's the vast majority of your work career has been a at Absolutely. Um, I actually started at a firm uh, down the road that uh, worked in public school and charter school law. Uh, my parents were both educators. That was interesting for a bit. But you're right, the vast majority of my career has been with the Kitsch firm. And it's, uh, there's some tough days, tough days in every uh -huh. profession, um, but I'm very happy there. That's great. Yes. That's great. Andy, are there any cases, topics that you think are, are at the forefront of what you do these days that might be interesting to our listeners? There is one topic that is being litigated um, in what we call the Sixth Circuit. Uh, so the United States, I won't go into the weeds too much, is divided into, I believe, 11 circuits throughout the country, and each circuit has its own set of laws that um, are precedential throughout its area. The Sixth Circuit, we call it the I-75 Circuit. It's Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee. A little counterintuitive that Illinois and Indiana are not part of that. Uh, but nevertheless, there's a set of cases that govern practice in this area. Um, it is the Supreme Court, as you know, that makes the decision when there's a dispute between the circuits. So to our Sixth Circuit, there's a real estate issue that is somewhat uh, undecided, and that addresses assignment of rents. You're familiar with the concept. Yes. Um, if there is a lender who is looking for additional security, besides a note or a mortgage, they will have the borrower sign an assignment of rents contemporaneous with the closing. And as you know, that provides the lender with the opportunity to collect money from the tenants if the borrower defaults with maybe not having to foreclose and so on. So there was a case that came out recently that said that once the assignment of rents goes into effect, which is usually after a default, that the borrower loses all rights to that rent revenue. And the lender gets that 100%. Now that was counterintuitive to some pr practices who were basically saying that if that tenant then comes current, it still has a right to those rents. Um, we have a situation going on right now at the firm 
where we represented a lender and they had the assignment of rents come into effect because the borrower had defaulted and the borrower redeemed, which is actually a good thing. So the lender gets paid. Right. And now there's this dispute like, hey, the lender is saying, I still get all that money I collected during the default period from those assignment of rents. And the borrower is saying, no, that was just a security in case you never got paid on the redemption. Now we are arguing that this new case came out and says you lost all rights during that period. The borrower is arguing quite aggressively <laughs> otherwise. And because there's this uncertainty in the law, that's something that's um, current and a hot topic in real estate that uh, the Oakland County Circuit Court will be ruling upon soon. Well, that's an interesting one. Yes. And, and we all know that, you know, of course, the, the assignment of rents was done as a protective measure, not only for the lender's interest in the property, but also uh, to ensure that during the time that there is a default, the property is maintained and uh, really also make sure that, that there's something, uh, you know, there's an ability to have someone maintain that property during the default period. 100%. 100%. But when the lender's made whole on the deal, that is a good question. You know, what what happens with those rents during that period? So uh, you're on the lender side of that. I wish yes. you all the best. <laughs> Thank and, you. Thank you. And uh, it sounds like an intriguing topic. Yes. To have you back to, uh, to tell us what happens. And perhaps, hopefully, to discuss a favorable decision. We will see. Well, if, <laughs> if you're running the case, it's going to be a favorable Brian, decision. Right? I, like, I like the comments. So on the litigation side of things, you know, obviously that's one of the things you, you handle and your firm handles uh, and do very well. Uh, you know, as, as someone who uh, has to engage attorneys, like it or not, uh, it's just a part of business. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I mean that respectfully. Right, right. Uh, it's never our favorite use of our money. Right. But, uh, you know, tell me your perspective on that. When you are approached by a client uh, in a potentially litigious situation, what, as, as an attorney, how do you proceed? What is your perspective on that? Right, right. I mean, part of our job is to be a counselor. We are attorneys and counselors. And oftentimes, um, it's important for us to counsel clients on what litigation entails. As you alluded to a moment ago, litigation can be time-consuming. It can be very expensive. Um, the outcomes can be uncertain. So. Although we are a firm of primarily litigators, we dissuade clients oftentimes for litigation because our business is client satisfaction. It's not necessarily litigation. Um, when we enter situations where litigation is necessary, the client is fully informed, they understand the risks, the potential costs, and so on, our goal is not always just to win the case. Um, of course, we are zealous advocates. We practice ethically. But we understand that um, professionalism goes a long way. Working together, even with the other side, displaying that you're um, working hard and not being unnecessarily contentious to the court and the staff will inure to the benefit of your clients. So um, oftentimes, I think the public gets caught up in the drama um, and the potential success of litigation and landmark cases. Oftentimes, as a service provider, we use litigation um, to service our clients, to get their needs, and try to avoid the unnecessary contention in costs. Because at the end of the day, it's not about being a star lawyer. It's about being a star for your clients. I, I think that's a, a great attitude and a great uh -huh. perspective on things. You know, we all know if you enter into any contract in, in your lifetime, eventually 
you're going to find, because no matter how well written a contract is, there's a perspective on what it really means from each side. And uh, to, you know, the goal always is to find a solution. I always tell people a good outcome when you have a, a dispute is that both parties walk away equally unhappy. That's the best thing you can expect because no one has a dispute with someone who goes, wow, that was the best dispute I've ever had. I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> but the goal is to find common ground because we all see things differently. And to take the approach that, that you're talking about with your clients, which is, which is really looking out for their best interests, which may or may not be litigation, uh, I think that's a fantastic approach. I also like the fact you hit on, um, which is you can approach uh, a litigious situation respectfully of all people and all parties involved. And sometimes that gets lost in the dispute. There's anger, uh, but the fact that you approach it that way, uh, you know, I tip my proverbial hat to you. Um, it, that's, that's an awesome methodology. I appreciate your, your saying that, and I'm reminded of what I was um, taught by one of my mentors when I started. You know, sometimes advocacy for your clients requires aggression. Sometimes it uh, counterintuitively requires you to be passive. Other times it allows you to be who you are. And when we have the opportunity, our default is to be professional and uh, easy to work with. Because again, like you say, that benefits the client. Excellent. So, you know, in, a, in another life, you are also the mayor of Birmingham, which is both an incredible uh, position to have and probably one of the toughest positions to have. Uh, it's a, an amazing city and uh, we're all, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I've never met anyone who doesn't point to Birmingham when we're when we're going into other communities as uh, one of the best cities in, uh, in you know, the state of Michigan. Really incredible. But uh, it doesn't come without some level of drama, I would imagine, um, or some uh, unique situations you find yourself in. Are there any, any issues going on in the city right now that are interesting or topics you've recently sure, dealt with? Sure, sure. Uh, I appreciate your, your saying that about Birmingham. I've been fortunate to grow up there and now raise my family there. and. Um, had the opportunity to start to give back uh, after law school and um, been involved with the library, the Parks and Recreation Department, and now on the City Commission. As far as challenging issues that we're facing right now, we have our main street, which is Old Woodward, um, from uh, Maple to um, Oakland, now under construction, actually started a week ago. It's going to go all the way through July. And right now, uh, vehicles can't go through there, but I do want to use this opportunity to remind your listeners that the businesses are still open. Um, and we do everything we can to encourage um, retail activity in that area during construction. But uh, the construction is 100% necessary. We have aging infrastructure, sewer pipes, water pipes, believe it or not, from the late 19th century. Really? Wooden pipes that need to be uh, updated and then we're going to use the opportunity to improve the streetscape, widen the sidewalks, narrow the streets, make it more walkable, create beautiful medians and I think the public will be uh, very impressed um, at the end of July, knock on the table here, uh, with what we've done to our main street and this is actually the first of three phases as we look to improve our downtown area. One other thing that's on the horizon for Birmingham, um, as you know from your work in the city of Novi and just your familiarity with how Metro Detroit, good cities, they plan. And Birmingham has had a master plan for its downtown for the past 20 years, which 
provided wonderful results for the city. Shane Park, uh, the Bates Street area, other parts of our downtown which have really been um, improved. We have not had a citywide plan which covers not just downtown but all five square miles of neighborhoods, parks and so on since 1980. Wow. And this commission now has the obligation to start that process anew. So that will be beginning in the next six to 12 months or so. And we're going to be looking for all our stakeholders, the folks who come in here to shop, the business owners, the residents in the neighborhoods to get involved. Because as you know, these plans don't become responsive to everybody's needs unless all the stakeholders are involved. Um, so we're looking forward to that in the future as well. It's a great thing to do. And you're right, it's not an easy thing. I actually had the good fortune and and the challenge of sitting on our master plan committee uh, when I was... Uh, so you, I, you know it well, yes. It was uh, definitely a, uh, a challenging process, but ultimately when you do engage all the stakeholders and give them a say in your future and how things will work, uh, it was a, an incredible experience. So, um, you know, I know having not done that since the, you know, the 80s, that's a long time, a lot to take a look at. and. Uh, uh, you know, I commend you. I wish you luck with that and the entire city with that. But uh, I appreciate that. I think we'll all be watching uh, with excitement to see the outcome. Absolutely. And one thing I've learned while being on the commission is that these plans, which take so much hard work to complete, they fortunately are not put on the shelf. You use them, you reference them for future decisions all the time, which is the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's absolutely right. It, yeah. was, it was great to see that once ours was done in Novi, uh, how we implemented that in every case uh, that came before us, uh, we referred to that. So um, uh, good luck on that. I know that's a long, uh, involved process, but right. awesome that you're doing that. Thank you. Andy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. I, I think uh, you're a fascinating individual who's accomplished so much in the community and in your career as a lawyer, as the mayor of Birmingham awfully impressive career. Can't wait to see all the things coming up for you as you continue, uh, you know, to, to rise up, which I don't know how much higher you can get than what you've accomplished today, but it's, it's awfully impressive. I want to thank you for being here. I know our listeners, some of them want to get in touch with you after this, maybe ask you follow-up questions on Birmingham or uh, seek guidance in legal needs that they might have. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, Andy, first let me say that I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, we started this relationship through my friendship with Michael Khalil, who uh, still is a good friend of mine. had the opportunity to meet you and many of your employees, and I couldn't be prouder to serve at this organization. So thank you very much uh, for that. Um, I am in our Detroit office. I can be reached anytime, uh, 313-965-7991. Um, I am on our, our website along with all my attorney colleagues at kitsch.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook as well. So uh, should be a challenge there. So I look forward to helping out anybody who needs it. Well, thanks again. Have a great day. And to all of our people uh, that are listening, this has been Real Estate of Mind, a Farbman podcast. Have a great day. Join us next time for another wonderful edition of Real Estate of Mind, a Farman Group podcast.